as we've been as we've been diving into the journey of faith, I'm finding more and more that the practical application of faith is not just for big things, it's for everything. And so I want to read to you a, a, a chunk of scripture after, out, of, out of Mark chapter 9. We've been in the book of Mark throughout this series. Mark chapter 9 verse 17 says, A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Now we're getting into it. A spirit that has robbed him of speech. Some of you are like, did I come in the wrong church? That's right. It's good. You need this. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Some of you are like, that's my kid on a bad day. Like, that's all right. We're going we're gonna to get some freedom from that too. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit. I brought them to church but they couldn't do anything about it. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied politely. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Can you imagine this happening at church? Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible. How many things? Is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe which is what we think faith is. But then he's honest, and he says, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. And the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, this kind can only come out only by prayer. Another translation says this can only come out by prayer and by fasting. Can, can you imagine this scene? <laughs> this guy's coming to Jesus. Can you imagine coming up to the prayer line with your, with your, with your, with your teenager, you know, that's just foaming at the mouth? We, we, we would handle those situations differently. Maybe your kids have thrown a temper tantrum on the way to church this morning. You're like, this can only come out by prayer and fasting. I've been driving a couple times this week, and I thought, you know what? I had this lady just throw up her hands at me like, like angry the other day, driving. And, and, and I'm like, you know, this can only come out by prayer. That's why I just resign, like just cast the, cast the spirit out. I, I, I think it's interesting that Jesus is approaching or, or walking through this journey of faith where he heals the woman with the issue of blood. He raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. He feeds 5,000. He feeds 4,000. And now we see that Jesus is with his disciples and the people don't bring the boy to Jesus. No, let me clear that up. It says they brought him to Jesus, but they actually brought him to the disciples. Because for many people, disciples should represent 
Jesus. In fact, when people come to church, they think that they're going to meet Jesus. So for many people that walk away from God, it's not that God's disappointed them. It's that disciples had no power. Because your text says they, they brought him to Jesus, expecting him to heal them. But the disciples could not drive it out. The, the man does the right thing by bringing his son to the right place. I'm going to tell you this. If you're dealing with some type of addiction, habit, cycle of sin, bondage, anything that you can't break out of, depression, cycles, infirmity, cycles, then you need to get with some believers and you need to bring that stuff to Jesus. You know what we do nowadays? If, if your teenager throws a tantrum and is convulsing at the mouth, and foaming at the mouth and convulsing and throwing themselves into fire, maybe attempting to end their life or harm themselves, we medicate them. I'm not, I'm not trying to step on too many toes because I believe that God anoints doctors and anoints the, our, our intellect and wisdom. But I'm going to tell you, at some point, you can't fight spiritual battles with natural weapons. We like to say it like this. We operate spiritually and practically. We do everything practically that we know to do while believing God to do what he can do. And whenever you get only on one side, you get out of balance. If I won't take my, if I won't take my medicine or I won't eat right or I won't exercise, but I trust God, you're going to be unhealthy. But if I eat right and I work out right and I'm healthy, but I never trust God, then I'm missing out on the power of God to, to heal me. So again, we find that faith is not in one of the extremes, but found hidden in the middle. So we got people on one side says, I'm not believing that faith stuff. I'm just going to work it out myself. And that's why you've never seen the power of God. And then we got people on this side that are all power of God, but they won't do anything practical. And that's why those people don't want to believe in the power of God because you look silly. It, it's, it's the tension of in between where we submit ourselves to God's word and we operate in a supernatural dimension which we call faith. It says this, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Can, can I help you with the plan of the enemy just in case you didn't know? It is not to hinder you. It's not to slow you down. There is a, an assignment of the enemy to steal. This is what John chapter 10 says. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. His mission is not to just torment you. His mission is to destroy you. And it might help you on your faith journey to understand that there is a battle against my ability to stand in faith and to tap into supernatural power. Think about it, if, if you were an enemy or an adversary and the people that you were attacking had the option to tap into supernatural power, 
you, you wouldn't just try to like slow them down. You, you, have to, you have to so mess them up. You have to so get them to not believe the truth of God's word so that they don't tap into the power of God. It, it, it says in verse 21, it says, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And the dad said this, from childhood. Now, I, I want to I be careful, but I want to pastor you for a second, especially our families. You have to be aware of what doors you open for your children. He says, how long has he been like? He's been like this from childhood. It, it is imperative for you not to shelter your kids, but to protect them from, this is, this is where it gets, I'm, this is where I'm going to get somebody mad. The things we usually protect them from are not the things they need protecting from. What you really need to protect them from is open doors of resentment and unforgiveness and anger in the home. Of certain entertainment that fills their mind with things that they should not be full of. We're, we're, we're trying to protect them from the coach sitting them out because of a bad attitude. Or from boundaries at school. And you should be protecting them from the evil influences that are in your home. Like your hypocrisy. Or your inconsistent. Is that too much? That's too much. That's too much. That's too much. Just don't, don't worry. I'll save that for second service. He, 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 we, we have to protect them from the things that actually will infiltrate their system of faith. Like putting something ahead of God. Like, like, like always going to a natural solution before we go to a supernatural one. It's practical and spiritual, but friends, you better rely on the spiritual before you rely on the practical. Are you really going to trust natural law over supernatural ability? No, we activate faith to believe and to trust God while still being wise and doing what we know to do. The things work concurrently. He says in verse 22 that, it often throws him into the fire to kill him. He says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us. And I got stuck on this, on this this week, and I've been thinking about it all week. He says, take pity on us. And I thought, for most of us, our walk of faith is exactly that. Let's try to pray until God takes pity on us. Because this is what we want God to do. Look at our situation. Look at how bad it is. Have pity on us. Look at what they did to me. Have pity on us. Look at how sick I am. Have pity on us. But Jesus flips the entire script. And this is where you have to really pay attention to how Jesus is illustrating and demonstrating faith. He flips the entire script. And, and, and he says, if, if you, well, well, hold on. If I can? No, everything is possible to him who believes. So what he's saying is you don't need pity. You need power. See, so, so when you really start walking in faith, you stop begging for God's pity and you start stepping into God's power. There's a difference. There's a difference in being anointed and full of the power and the Holy Spirit than it is to rely on the pity of God to somehow, someway intervene and throw a random miracle my way. No, no, there is a confidence that comes to the man or woman of God that knows how to access faith. And so you begin to step and to walk and to live by faith. Jesus says, Jesus says if, if, if I can, 
I would have loved to be there. As I've been diving in this series, I've just been like, I've been watching movies as I've been preparing, like in my mind of the text. I'm just thinking, what would that have looked like? This man's like, oh, my son, oh, my gosh, my son. He throws himself in the fire. He's foaming at the mouth, right? And Jesus, he says, Jesus, if you can take pity on me. And Jesus says, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I can. Everything is possible to him who believes. Now, there's all kinds of people that take all kinds of faith scriptures and move them all kinds of ways and get us confused. But this is in the context of deliverance, which tells me this, when Jesus says everything, he's talking in the context of asking him for something or needing something, anything is, everything is possible to him who believes. Everything is, how many things? Everything is possible to him who believes. This man tried to pull on Jesus' pity instead of his power. But Jesus in his loving kindness said, hey, I'm going to flip the script for you. I'm going to teach you that it's not my pity that you need. It's my power that you need. You are not a beggar trying to get something from God. You're a son and daughter that is tapping into the power that's been given to you as an heir of Christ, Jesus. When you said yes to Jesus, when you put your faith in him, you did not become a beggar that can pity, get him to pity you. You became a son of God or a daughter of God that now walks in the power of God. You took his name. That matters. That's why we don't pray in your name. We don't pray in the name of Church 1132. We don't pray in the name of Pastor Dust. We pray in the name of Jesus because we took his name and that gives us power. It's not taking pity on the situation. It's power over the situation. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a difference in the way that we think. So I, I want to go quickly and I, I want to look at this and, and this is what we're going to teach just for a second. Y'all ready? I don't know if you're looking forward to this today, but I got, I, got, I got to give you this because this is really important when it comes to faith. Number one is you have to understand the posture of faith. That faith, we talked about, is a lens, but faith is also, it's a posture. And I'll show it to you in our text because this man says, Lord, I believe. Help me. Wait a second. So this man got a miracle and he had doubt in his heart i don't know about you but i've been really tough on myself at times when i didn't see a miracle because i thought oh it was me i didn't have enough faith right or someone else feels condemnation because you pray for them and they don't get healed and then they feel like oh i didn't have enough faith but jesus proves something right now that it doesn't take perfect faith it just takes some faith. That, that in fact, what he's looking for is the belief. Just, just the small little, well, Matthew 17, 20 says it like this. He replied, because you have so little faith. This is why they couldn't cast him out. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, from, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing, how many things? Nothing. Will be impossible for you. Now, this is an interesting scripture in Matthew 17, 20, and people, well, I've done it before. I've tried to move mountains, you know? It's just like, I remember reading that when I was young, and I'm like looking at Mount Rainier, and I'm like, move, you know, like God, show me a sign. This, this, this was symbolic 
of the small amount of faith that it takes to do a very large thing. This was not in actuality that you can start moving mountains around the U.S. This was, otherwise, we'd move them to Texas. I'm just going to tell you. We'd like, we need some topography around here. It wasn't wasn't so that we could change the structure of the earth. It was to give us the understanding that it is not massive faith that is needed to do massive things. A little bit of faith can do a really big thing. God is not looking for perfect faith. He's looking for any faith. Not, Not perfect. So some of you that have been living under condemnation because you prayed for someone and they didn't get better, you need to stop it right now. Because... God, this man came to Jesus with very imperfect faith and said, Lord, I believe. But you know what he had? He had the posture of faith. You heard what he said first. Spiritual, practical. He was honest. He was vulnerable. But his posture was, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. The second one is this. The measure of faith. The measure of faith. Some people say, well, I don't have any faith. That's not true. The Bible says that you have been given, each person has been given a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God, I liked it in this translation because it says that God has assigned. So God knows your path, God knows your journey, God knows your life history, your life future, in which, so he's assigned faith to you. Otherwise we couldn't get saved because we're we're saved by faith in the son of God. So he gives us enough faith to put our faith in him. Each of us has been given a measure. You never hear Jesus condemn someone for having no faith. You can't find it in the scripture. He's never like, man, you don't even have any faith. Even in Mark chapter 6, when he said he could not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith, it was not no faith. It was that they didn't have great faith, or really, they didn't have enough faith. Because we talked about it was a collective faith that w- would unlock the great things that God wanted to do. But Jesus still did a couple miracles there, right? He still did a couple random miracles there. You never hear Jesus condemn someone for having no faith, but for having little faith. Whatever measure you have been given, this is really important for where we're going, you can grow. I don't have much faith. You, you have some though. And it doesn't take a little to be able to do a lot. So stop looking at how little your faith is and begin to grow what you have. Begin to grow what you have. Because the third one is this, and this is really important. The confession of faith. Really, we could take like an hour on each of these, but we just got to like, just like slide over it. The confession of faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 6 says, but the righteousness that is by faith says, doesn't think, doesn't ponder, doesn't meditate it says do not say in your heart inside who will ascend into heaven that is to bring christ down or who will descend into the deep that is to bring christ up from the dead but what does it say the word is near you it is in your mouth and in your heart that is the message concerning faith 
that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will, look at this, look at this combination. Belief in the heart and confession from the mouth. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with, with, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Is everybody tracking? I have a posture of faith, which is I see through the lens of possibility. I lean into what God's wanting to do and the possibility of what he can do. I've been given a measure. I'm not without faith. I've been given a measure of faith. But that faith requires me to speak differently. Proverbs says life and death are in the power of the tongue. So look, listen to what this man says. He says, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. But the Lord, I believe, was his confession of faith, that he believes or he takes God at his word. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Y'all right? It says, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, this is the same scripture in the book of Mark, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they Anybody see that? Believe what they say will happen. It will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in... Okay. This is a lot of talking. And some of you are real quiet. And that's fine. But you've got to get it out of your heart. And you've got to put it into your mouth. When situations get desperate enough, you'll find your voice. So sometimes it's just not desperate enough for you to actually need to say, okay, I'm trying that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this word that I believe in my heart into my mouth. It says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. People have really took this verse and ran with it with selfish motives and selfish ambitions. James says, when you, when you pray or when you ask God, the reason that your prayers are not answered is because you ask with selfish motives. So the key to God doing whatever you ask is you asking in the will of God. But this scripture is very interesting because it says whatever you ask, believe that you have received it, that's faith, and it will be yours. Ask in prayer, believe that it's yours, and it will be. So when we're praying for the Dream Center to be funded, we're asking in prayer, but we believe it's already funded, and we believe it will, we, we will see it in our reality. That's faith. That makes some people feel uncomfortable, but that's only because they've never walked by faith. Love you. If you, you cannot, and I, I will dare anybody in the room, you cannot read the Gospels and not believe. You cannot read the Gospels with a pure and honest heart and an open mind and not believe that your faith has something to do with what God does. So I got to start speaking different. Now, I want you to see something, and the reason I use this text is for a very specific reason. I, I'm not all about having a broken leg and saying, my leg is not broken. My leg is not broken. 
because that's just stupid. You have a broken leg. But what I believe is, Lord, I believe that you have healed my leg and help me with my unbelief. Help me with the reality that I'm walking with today. But I believe that I've asked in prayer and I believe that my leg is whole in the name of Jesus. I'm not denying my, and this is where these people, hyperfaith got really weird because it was like, they're, they're dying. Like, I don't have a fever. I'm not sick. I'm not, I'm like, dude, you, we, what? I'm just believing. No. Okay. Hey, I'm, I'm sick, but I believe. That Jesus is my healer and I will be healed. It's again, it's, it's, it's in the middle. So this brings us to the last one. The level of faith. Now this one I got real excited about. And I had to leave myself no time just to make sure that I didn't like really get excited about this one. When, when Jesus said this kind can come, only, come out only by prayer. Another translation says by prayer and fasting. He tells us something very interesting. He tells us that there's levels. This is what he's he's given us a lesson in. There's levels to faith. So although it only takes a little bit of faith to do a very big thing, there's also great faith. And different levels do different things. So don't be content with just your measure. Start growing your faith so that you can operate at different levels of power. Because they took him to the disciples and they could not. They took him to Jesus and he did immediately. And he said, this type comes only comes out only by prayer or prayer and fasting. There is some confusion on what that means. Like, is it prayer? Is it fasting? But most theologians agree on this. It was an intense type of prayer that was consistent, that was, that, that was dedicated, that was so focused that at times they would not eat or drink because of their focus on what they were praying for. So that's when you don't eat or drink, that's called fasting. So this is where some of the translations came from. That but this came by, Jesus said that your, your focus has to be so intent in beseeching God, in prayer to God, that sometimes maybe you would forget even what you eat or what you drink because what you're laying hold of. I'm, not everybody's got to live like that, but that's where the great faith comes from Jesus already gave them one of the commentaries I read this week said this Jesus already gave them the the authority to cast out demons Mark chapter 3 gave them the authority to cast out demons yet the authority that Jesus had given them was effective only if exercised by faith but faith had to be cultivated through spiritual discipline and devotion. So check this out. This is so awesome. Jesus says, I give you the authority. They're like, yeah, we got it. They bring the kid and they're like, whoa, we can't do nothing with this. Jesus says, guys, I gave you the measure. I gave you the anointing. I gave you the authority, but you got to work this thing out. You got to, I want to, I want to, I got, I got some, I got an illustration. I think it's lame, but I'm going to try to give it to you anyways. Okay, so bring it out, bring it out real quick. I'm, I'm going to try, I'm, I'm trying to get the picture of faith into your head. Okay, so I'm going to try. Just bring it right out here in the, in the center. Make sure, while in Frisco, make sure you guys can see this. Yell at somebody if you can't. Okay. 
Um, I need your help. Stay here. Stay here. Eli, stay here. Stay here. I need your help. Okay. You hold this, Aiden. Hold that up like that. You take this. Open that. Until I get my Britney Spears mic, I'm just going to have to hold this one. Um, just pour a little bit of that water into there, okay? So this, this thing, this thing's got holes in it. It leaks like you do. So that's good. Hold it right there. Each of you have been given a measure of faith. Measure of faith. But when you walk through this life, when you pray, well, let me just say it this way. There's three types of, really three types of faith. Personal faith that can be grown by consistency. So this is daily. Give it a little dose. This is daily dose. Daily dose with Jesus. That's good. Daily dose with Jesus. Give it again. Daily dose with Jesus. This is, this is like, that's how, that's how you stay active in your faith. That's how you keep believing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Not the word of God you heard 27 years ago. You got to keep on hearing to keep on producing faith. Does this make sense? This is why after you've been contending for a little while, you don't believe as much. That, you got to get faith again. So it's personal faith. Then the Bible talks about the gift of faith, which is great faith. Great faith. So that, that's like a higher measure. Usually happens when there's a, 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 an experience or a situation, maybe something traumatic, where you need great faith. You got another water bottle? Pass me a water bottle. Right underneath your chair, right there. You're kicking it. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. You know what we talked about a couple weeks ago? Mark chapter 6. And it says that God could do no mighty miracle there because of their unbelief or because their lack of faith. So what happens when you take a little bit of your faith and I take a little of my faith. Go ahead, Eli. See, this, this is where God begins to do powerful things because we need about four, five, six other people that are contributing their faith in order for God to do a mighty thing. So some of your miracles are just waiting for the faith level to tip over and to begin to overflow. Now, when God does it, how God does it, why God does it, I don't know. My job and posture, my posture is to continue to pour my faith. It is to continue to look through the lens of possibility. And I know in life, it drains you. I know situations drain you. Negativity drains you. But when we come together as the people of God and we say, I've got faith and you've got faith and we've got faith, we begin to unlock supernatural power. We begin to disarm the, 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 the ploys and the strategies of the enemy and we can begin to see people set free by the power of God. But we need people that live by faith. Check this out. This is what it feels like to pastor. Every Sunday. And you leak. And every Sunday we try. Every Sunday we try. But if you would understand that your faith is your responsibility. 
That's why Jesus said this kind only comes by your own commitment and your own consistency. That says, I'm going to get in the secret place with God. I'm going to get into my Bible. I'm going to get into the place of presence and I'm going to fill myself up so that I bring my faith and you bring your faith. And there is no mountain. There is no addiction. There is no bondage that can stand in the way of what God wants to do. That's how we see revival. That's how we see awakening. It's not by me with my measure. It's us with our measures that unlocks the power of God. Come on, if you believe it, why don't you give God praise for about 10 seconds? It's awesome, you guys. Why don't you stand with me, every location, stand with me, Frisco Wiley. Does this make sense? We had to take some time today because well, I, I can't just motivate you with faith. You've got to understand the more you spend time in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can extend it in the book of Acts. You can get into Romans if you want. And if you get all the way to Hebrews, then you're going to really find out that this faith thing is everywhere. And just because you got disappointed by some disciples that never had the consistency or the commitment to grow their own faith does not mean that God disappointed you. And this is what I felt the Holy Spirit say today. I was praying this morning. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me so clearly that today as we end, he wanted to restore faith in people, and, and check this out, that were disappointed in God. But I'm gonna just say, it wasn't actually God. It was you went to leaders, you went to pastors, you went to churches, you went and you still struggle with the same stuff. Don't let, I used to preach a series in, in youth ministry a long time ago. I said, don't let a bad Christian keep you from a good Christ. And I believe this. I believe God's restoring some of your belief, not in people. People are gonna fail you your belief in God. And some of you are gonna take this challenge seriously. You're gonna take that measure of faith and you're gonna to begin, to, to begin to water it and you're gonna to begin to tend to it and it's gonna to begin to grow. And I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen in our cities. I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen at the Dream Center, what's gonna happen in Wiley and Frisco, what's gonna happen in Allen. When we begin to tap into faith, there is nothing that will be impossible for God. There is not a person that is outside his grace. There is not a disease that is bigger than his power. There is not an addiction that is greater than his ability to set someone free. But we need the faith of God's people. We need the faith of the church to come together, to stand and to believe for miracles, believe for the impossible. And I believe that's what God wants to awaken in you today. I'm gonna ask every campus just to Bow your heads, close your eyes. I sense the presence of God. Lord, I thank you that you're